It's a great time to get a great deal on a new car when you get approved for an auto loan from PenFed. Our powered by true car rates are as low as 1.39% APR on new vehicles. Finance for a longer term to lower your monthly bill. Plus, take up to 60 days to schedule your first payment. Join PenFed and together we'll keep you moving forward. Anyone can apply. Visit PenFed.org auto or call 1-800-247-5626. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Are you ready? Let's make some noise, come on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest edition of the Broad Street Line. I am Roy Burton, and as always, my tag team partner again, one half of the Rock and Roll Express, one Chris Domingo. Mr. Domingo, how are you doing this, as always, during the pandemic? Air quotes, Saturday morning, sir. I'm doing great, Roy. And and actually, we're, we're, other, we're not um, someone other than the Brooklyn that's just made a big a, a big trade for um, a high volume um, superstar. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're saying our guest is a, is a, is a, is a, is a ball hog. He dominates the offense. <laughs> He's a guy who's going to take 45 percent of the shots today. Is that what you're saying? Um, if, if the moment's right, like I mean, I can see <laughs> this guy dropping 25 and a half. Oh, you know what? Absolutely right. Again, he's been on our show before. He's a man who once called himself a sporadic insider, but he is now <laughs> officially a part of the Broshy Lion family. Joining us once again, our good friend, Jason Ashworth. Jason, how's it going, man? I'm good, man. I appreciate the introduction. A ball hog I don't know about, but I might be an efficient <laughs> scorer if given the opportunity. 20, okay. 25 and a half, I like that. Again, if, if you need to, need to clear out, just wave us off, man. You know, just wave us off. <laughs> just you know, get out. We'll clear get out. out. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you guys having me on. You know, you know, speaking of getting out, and again, we're here on 106.5 FM, WPPM, LP, Philadelphia, Philly Cam Radio. Speaking of getting out, someone was told to get out unceremoniously earlier this week in Philadelphia. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, I am talking about Ken Flajol. Oh, no, I'm sorry, not Ken Flajol. <laughs> no, no, Doug Peterson, the Eagles head coach, or former head coach, I should say, who brought us, of course, the Super Bowl championship after the 2017 season was unceremoniously deposed. Earlier this week, we got a little bit of news about our buzz about it from Chris Mortensen, who apparently every Sunday just breaks a new Eagle story. Um, so this story was that Doug Peterson was no longer safe as a as the Eagles head coach. Doug had his meeting with Jeffrey Lurie uh, the next day, and then pretty much that was the end of his tenure here in Philadelphia. 42-37-1 over five seasons as again, and again, the Super Bowl in 2017 team did get progressively worse over the last five years. Let me just ask you right off the bat, Jason, were you surprised that, that Doug Peterson was fired earlier this week? Um, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't somewhat surprised. Um, so if, if just in a vacuum, was I surprised they actually did it? Yeah, I, I think a little bit I was surprised. It's not to say that during the year we didn't all have uh, some sort of an idea that, look, something was going to change. So, mm -hmm. Something had to change. I right. think – once we started getting waves or once we started getting um, news that, hey, Howie might be safe, right? Howie's Jeffrey's boy. He's not going anywhere. Then the thought was, well, okay, but something has to change. Like there's no mm -hmm. way they're going into the next year and just going to run it back after what you saw. And not, not just in 19, but in 20. So I didn't necessarily think it was going to be Doug. Um, I, I thought Doug had bought himself a little bit more time after the Super Bowl in 17. So it, it's, a it, it's a little surprising from that perspective. But – we knew something had to change. We and we knew. I mean, everybody 
to a man, everybody at some point last season said, this ain't right. This is not good. This is not going to work. So for us now to sit here and act completely surprised that they made a move that really the writing was on the wall. If we kind of look into the organization and the power that that may, that may be within the organization, we can't be that surprised, right? Right, right. Well, that's, that's a good point because, because again, like you said, like you couldn't hashtag run it back like people wanted to do with the Sixers, right. you know, a couple of years ago and just have these same guys in the same spot. You know, personally, I thought that they would give Doug one more year, Doug and Howie, I would should, I'd say, one more year to say, yeah, you know, you guys got to fix this how this Carson Wentz situation figure it out however you need to figure it out whether you need to bring in somebody or whether you need to kind of you know readjust some certain certain things figure out this whole Carson Wentz thing I thought that was going to be the quote-unquote fix going into 2021 I'm a little bit surprised by Doug not being here again at the end of the day Chris I don't know how you feel um I guess the guy who wants to be fixed didn't want Doug to be the fixer I mean I don't want to like I don't know kind of simplify things but it, it on the surface, like I don't know before, like I don't know before, like because I, I mean this could all change on on who they hire as a new coach. But I, I mean this seems like a a a a simple yet economic solution. Doug Peterson was easier to get rid of than Carson Wentz, and it, it and I, I mean, but we still don't. But it comes back to why did you dra- like? Because it seems like this was a lot of economics. Like the cap hit, I mean, we all know the cap hit. We all know, like, I don't know, like what it what it might or might not take to trade Carson Wentz. But this is this still addresses the elephant in the room. Why did you draft Jalen Hurts? Like, this really just comes back to, I, I mean, if you if you want to double down on on this asset, which there's a lot of evidence to say that you should, mm-hmm. because I, I I mean, like, you don't want thirty three million dollars worth of of cap of, of dead cap not used for anything, especially on a team that's aging, that already has cap issues. But didn't you distress this $33 million asset the moment that you drafted Jalen Hurts? Well, they didn't think they distressed <laughs> the said asset when they drafted Jalen Hurts. I think this goes back to they don't know what their asset is. Like, I, I mean, I think they didn't do a full inventory of of just what – because if, if this is your biggest asset, on like – in your portfolio, don't you do everything in your power to, like I don't know, enhance that asset. Like I don't know to make it look better. Like I, but like there's that's where I understand where this like happened. Like I don't know where the disconnect happened. I just don't know, like how much of this is Doug Peterson's fault. Like Jason, I'll ask you, how much blame do you think Doug Peterson should get for the regression of Carson Wentz? Um, how much blame for the regression? Well, I, I think it's an organizational blame. So then I, then we just have to look back and say, well, how much credit slash blame do we put on the coach in this organization in terms of coaching staffs or personnel or whatever it may be? And that's the big question. Like nobody knows. Yeah. Because yeah, no, hand, right? this, is not because, a, this isn't a tangible thing to say. And, right. and I, and I ask Roy this all the time. It's like, like when when people have their like exit interviews for like yeah. their their job or performance reviews, people can say like I don't know like oh Doug needs to do this he needs to call better plays he needs to hire an OC how he needs to get better like draft better what what did or what did they say anything to Carson Wentz in his exit interview to say you need to do this better like I don't know it's hard to like quantify. Correct. I mean, the whole thing, the issue we're in right now, and that's where 
I mean, that's why we do what we do, right? That's why we talk about it because everybody's mm-hmm. in spin cycle mode and everybody's trying to take their, their relative experience and just spin it. I mean, Howie's the, the master of the spin cycle, but you had Doug spinning at the end of the season. He wouldn't fully back Jalen Hurts and he, and he wanted to say, he, you know, Carson's still the quarterback. And even in his exit interviews, as he was pressured by the media, he was saying, no, Carson's our guy, right? I can repair the relationship with Carson Wentz. But then you had the Troy Aikman story coming out where he's saying, no, Doug wanted to move forward with Jalen. So was right. he just building the the value of Carson Wentz in case they wanted to trade him and move forward with Jalen? And that's where the disconnect was. But how, if that's the case, how did Jalen get drafted in the first place? Because there's yes. no way, <laughs> there's no way Lori and Roseman didn't sign off in, on yes. Jalen in the first place. Because this we, needs to be this needs to be true detective season four. Like none I don't of know it, what, none of it makes any sense. Yeah. There's these there's these rumors, and, and well, they're actually they're not rumors, but there's some evidence behind that Howie Roseman was picking sides, right? So mm-hmm. coaches mm-hmm. wanted player X, scouts wanted player Y. And how we would side with who the coaches wanted. So then the coaches wanted Jalen Hurts, and how we signed with the, signed up with the coaches and sided with the coaches with the blessing of Howie Roseman. So they all wanted Jalen Hurts, <laughs> right? So it's just, but everybody's in spin cycle mode now, and, and nobody can, can put their finger on who had what call, who had what power, and who had what say. And, and now, if they, you know, oh, 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 sorry, Roy. if they okay, and if they want Jalen Hurts, let's say let's say they wanted Jalen Hurts, and at least on some level, at least Doug wanted Jalen Hurts. Why again? The rumors the story came out. Doug wants to make Press Taylor the OC, or wanted to make Press Taylor the OC, who is Carson Wentz's guy. I mean, if mm-hmm. if you're the Jalen Hurts guy, if you're if you are now the Jalen Hurts guy, and Jeffrey Lohr and Howie Roseman are the you know, let's kind of figure this out with Carson Wentz. Why would you make Press Taylor the OC? Like that doesn't that kind of I I don't understand that on some level. Maybe I'm missing Spin something. Cycle. Jason, Jason, I don't know. I don't. Again. Well, maybe honestly, maybe Howie, maybe Roseman really want Jalen Hurts. I mean, the, the fact everything that we're seeing says it, everything's contradicting each other. So if mm-hmm. Doug Peterson is, is publicly backing Carson Wentz, even in his exit interviews, which we didn't know uh, really where that was going to lead, is saying he can repair the relationship. And he goes to Howie uh, in that meeting down in Florida. And he says, no, I want to bring Press Taylor, who's Carson's guy. And I think they can correct that. And Howie's coming out talking about differences and in, in, in where really they're going to go. <laughs> well, OK, so maybe in the background, Howie and Lori are saying, yeah, no, Carson's not the answer long term. And we don't we don't want no, you bringing Jason. in press Taylor. That's not good. Obviously, yeah. we're speculating, but I'm just saying right. things right. don't add up. Everyone's messages yeah. are not clear and consistent. Jason, if you're the GM, yeah, I, I guess are you trying to get a coach that's trying to? And now this is not this is just your football mm-hmm. opinion. Are mm-hmm. if if you're the GM, are you bringing in a coach to fix Carson Wentz, or are you trying to bring in a coach to to in uh? To coach up Jalen Hurts, fix Carson Wentz, thousand percent, not even a question for me. I've seen yeah. enough of Carson Wentz, and I'm not telling you that Carson Wentz. Roy, we talked about it last year. I was critical yeah. of Carson Wentz's play last year. Now at the mm-hmm. end of the year, he turned it around. But when we right. didn't see that elite play, I had no problem being vocal about it. But we've seen enough elite play, enough above average play out of Carson Wentz to say, and this isn't just about 2017. Mm-hmm. We've seen enough film to say, no, that dude can play in the NFL. What the hell happened this year? I have no idea. Do I have enough on tape or do I have enough visual evidence of Jalen Hurts to say that he's that dude and he can be that guy? I don't. Not yet. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm invested in Carson Wentz financially. uh, The organization is invested in in Carson Wentz. You go out and you find yourself a coach. You find yourself a staff. You build yourself a team around Carson Wentz. 
if that doesn't work, if you can't get another coach, another philosophy, another set of eyes and ears to change what he's done and he continues to progress, okay, it's a lot like the Embiid and, and Simmons combo that we talk mm -hmm. about with the Sixers and Brett Brown. I'm not moving off from Simmons and Embiid until I see what another coach can do, much like in this situation. I'm not moving off of Wentz until somebody else can get in there, show me if you can correct this. If you can't, fine. Then the problem's on the player. Until mm -hmm. that, no, nah, I'm not moving off from Carson Wentz just yet. I'm not. I'm not throwing the kid out the window yet. But if you're, uh, but so if you're that, like I don't know, like if you're willing to go that route, mm -hmm. are you willing to do that unconditionally? I mean, as in trading Jalen Hurts. But why are we trading Jalen Hurts? Like, why does that have to be? Why is that? No, no, no. Because obviously there's. Because no, I'm not trading Jalen Hurts either. No, so so you're telling Carson bleep your feelings. Like you, like, I don't know, like you haven't, because there, there, there is something to say that Jalen Hurts factored into the regression of Carson Wentz for uh, like, a maybe see, I personally, right. And I'm, I'm actually glad you brought that because I personally, I disagree with that whole notion. I really do that. Okay. I get it. First of all, I get it. You pay the guy a big contract and you draft a quarterback in the second mm -hmm. round. Right. Okay. So I, on the surface, I understand what everybody's, what everybody's saying. But what is it that we're we're complaining about right now with the Eagles? We're sitting here saying, okay, they're old. They they need to get younger. The cap situation is absolute trash. They need to fix that, right? And the reality is, at least uh, in the in the for the seasons past, the regular season he stayed healthy recently. But we've seen enough to say that the backup quarterback means something in Philadelphia. That mm -hmm. for the last four years, at some point, because of injury, now not this year, that was different. But we've seen a backup quarterback play meaningful snaps, uh, whether it be in the postseason or whatever, right? So if I can't go out and spend $10 bucks on Chase Daniel, if I can't go out and I got Nick Foles I'm paying $20 million to as a back quarterback, if I can't go out because of the cap situation and invest in a backup quarterback who, regardless of what anybody says, the Eagles have always valued, and there's reasons to value it if Carson's your quarterback, right? Then I got to draft one. If I can pay a guy $6 million over the span of four years to be a quality backup for me versus spending seven, eight million dollars a year on, I don't know, somebody that's available to back up. They don't have the cap space to do that. And the smart move, they're still investing. They're not investing salary cap dollars. They're investing draft capital. It's still an investment. So I, I, I just don't understand why people are so shocked why the Eagles said, no, we've got to value this position, but we don't have the cap dollars to do it. We've got to do it via the draft. And the oh. drop-off between the second-round pick and Jalen Hurts and the next guy up, which was in the fourth round, they thought it was they couldn't pass. Oh, oh no, I agree with, with with your sentiment. But what if the guy that you're trying to fix says, I don't want him in the same room as me? Well, well then that's a whole other problem. If Carson is truly saying, I cannot be the starting quarterback here if I have any competition behind me, look, I don't I don't vibe with that. That's not – that's yeah. not that he's not yeah, that no. dude. Yeah, no. I mean, he, no he can't be. Yeah. Right. I, let's hope not, because Correct. I want no, because like I want competition, and yeah. if and if and if both dudes aren't about competition, then so be it. But I, I mean, like there needs to be a healthy competition for that job. Like right. I, I, I mean, and but but let's but, let's just in fairness though, whether Carson likes competition or not, because I don't think you get to the NFL if you shied away from competition. I just don't think that that's in their DNA. Some guys, sure, and maybe Carson Wentz is that guy, but you don't become part of the, you know, 0.01% or whatever the number is. You don't get to that level if you're afraid of competition. The guy, yes, they paid him a big contract. I understand that. But 
there's no getting around the fact that this city adorned Nick Foles still does love Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. They talk about him every day. There's still some people are still trying to get him back in the midnight green. There's a damn statue outside the stadium, <laughs> a premature statue with that. I, I don't want to get into all the semantics, but when he finally does clear himself out and the team is is yours and you are paid that contract and here you go, we reward you, then they are going to draft a quarterback, whether it makes sense or not. Mm-hmm. The the emotion behind it for Carson. You're going to draft a quarterback in the second round, and once we cleared one hurdle, you just set another hurdle up in front of me. So regardless of the the reasons behind it that I just laid out in terms of cap and draft capital and investment, the dude's a human being. Uh, he's going to feel a certain way. At some point, he's going to feel like, dude, there's nothing I can do. You're constantly setting me up to, to prove, 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 prove. I get it. The NFL, not for long. What have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. I understand it. But the human side of it, I can at least appreciate uh, that aspect if, in fact, that's what he feels. Yeah. No, no, no. That No, I don't think – I think we can nip that conversation in the bud because no one can, can state that more eloquently. But let's get back to the problem at hand, that this organization from top to bottom is a disaster. And I think in the last week, we, we always assumed that Jeffrey Lurie was this – this great owner, like hands off, like I don't, but we're starting to see that he likes his toy and maybe, and, and, and I'm not one to tell someone what, what or do or not do with their business. However, is he much better than your, than your standard, like owner that, that kind of malingers and just like sticks his head where it shouldn't be? Cause I think that's, that's the crux of where the Eagles are at right now. Roy, go ahead, brother. See, I don't want to be that bad. I'm not going for 45. <laughs> right. You know, sometimes hard passes, you know. No, but here's, here's the thing. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. I, you know, I didn't think about, you know, I didn't really think about this until this week. Because, again, like, you, you start looking back at the, his, the past history, and it's like, you know what? Maybe he is that guy. Now, he's not Jerry Jones. But, again, like, there was a story that came out this week about how Doug had to fight, had to, fight to keep Frank Reich around. There's that story about, um, you know, how uh, Doug had to keep, you know, Chip Kelly's coaches and keep Deuce Daly on staff and, and all that stuff. And then, of course, the whole Mike Groh situation last year, which was crazy because Mike Groh was, you know, Doug said, hey, Mike's my guy, you know, he's cool or whatever. And then the next day he's gone. Um, and then, of course, now the story about the whole depressed Taylor, you know, OC kind of thing. I'm not going to say Jeffrey Lurie's a meddler, but, I mean, he's kind of put his nose in, into the business, more, more business than he should as an owner. Because, again, if – you know, if you're an owner, I mean, I would have, you know, assume you would hire football people to kind of take care of the football stuff. But that being said, it sounds like him and Howie Rosen are kind of joined at the hip. So, you know, any decision that Howie makes is basically his decision. So, I, <sighs> yeah, yeah, no, Jason, I'm glad you you said at the start, let's deal with reality. Howie Roseman ain't going anywhere. Like, right. I, I mean, like, like until everyone gets that like ingrained in their brain, then we can operate under because, like, just no, like, I, I mean, I don't even. It doesn't even sound like he got some sort of review to say, hey, Howie, do better. Like, I, I mean, like, that Lori mm-hmm. press conference was Howie spin. Like, I don't know. Like, guys, like, I don't know. Guys got drafted before we did. Da, 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 da. Like, I don't know. There was – that's where, like, you can't say Howie Roseman without Jeff Lori, and you can't say Jeff Lori right. without Howie Roseman. You went through that presser with Jeffrey Lori, and and I've always been a Jeffrey Lori fan. I appreciate what he does for the, for the team, the city, the fans, the community. I, I appreciate – and look, he's brought winning football to Philadelphia for the better part of a quarter century, right? So um, I appreciate It's not to say I don't yeah. appreciate Jeffrey Lurie. I do. But when we go through it, 
if you would have asked any one of, well, not any one of us, but majority of the fans, they'd say, hey, who needs to go, Doug Peterson or Howie Roseman? What do you think the answer would be? Howie mm-hmm. Roseman. Yeah. It wasn't even a thought. Yeah. It wasn't like nobody even blinked. And Jeffrey, so when you listen to that presser from Jeffrey, I was punching holes in all of his answers because they didn't add up. They didn't make sense. And somehow Howie Roseman is sitting here, sitting pretty. So mm-hmm. for me, that the only, like he went through Andy Reid, Right. And Andy Reid had what one losing season uh, in seven in the in the seven years prior. And mm-hmm. he was out. And they had Chip Kelly, who brought us some exciting football. And we all have our problems with Chip Kelly. I get it. We all have our problems with Chip Kelly. But he had that losing season and he's out. Doug wins the Super Bowl and takes us to back to back playoffs, has a losing season. He's out. And then here here's Howie Roseman <laughs> and Jeffrey Lurie just sitting pretty. And the, yeah. like, what does that do? Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, that combo. Right. Mm hmm. There, there's something to be said for, I truly do ab- believe this, there's something to be said for the attractiveness of an organization through consistency, meaning they're not, they're not one of those organizations that's constantly just churning over coaches and GMs and coaches and GMs, you know, because they can't find the mix. Mm-hmm. But they have from the head coaching position, it's not, it can't be an attractive position right now right. because we're sitting here saying, go ahead, give me one losing season. Don't make the playoffs one time and see what happens to you. Because that's that's in essence over the last few coaches, that's what they've set up. And then just how he's sitting there with Lori's blessing, and they, and he gets no, there, there's no report card out on how he wrote and Jeffrey Lori dies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. No, Can we and, just and, acknowledge and, his issues? That's all I want. Yeah. Jeff, can you just acknowledge his yeah. issues. No, oh, and, and that for me was I thought that at least just say that how we need to do better. Like mm-hmm. I, I mean, the standing. I mean, that was that was a how we stand press conference. And yeah. as just an Eagles fan, I don't know when you know that. And, and, of course, now they're explaining, oh, we had to double down on the Super Bowl roster. Da, 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 da. This is why we gave – this is why we kicked the can down the road so many times. This is why we got Alshon. It's like, oh, okay. And, 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 and we'll bring it full circle with the coaching. It's like why would you get a – relatively premier or an upper echelon head coach here who probably won't get full say in in his coaching staff that Doug Peterson did and mm-hmm. won't get much say in personnel. Yeah, well, and that's where yeah. – so you're not, right? You're not going to get the guy. <laughs> right. You're going to get a younger guy that doesn't want personnel control, that just wants to run his piece of the pie. He doesn't care how you build your roster. Just give me my pieces and I'll go at it, right? Uh, Joe Brady, for example. Um, that's where well, I think – or, or Mike Kafka, right? although they they kind of they kind of screwed themselves with Mike Kafka in, in theory because they held on to Doug for a week too long. Had they fired Doug a week ago, that was the opening round for for interviews, and and they could have uh-huh. interviewed Kafka for that first time. Now right. that week between the Super Bowl, right? Let's just say the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl. We don't know. Obviously, if the Chiefs lose, then this is all for not. But if right. the Chiefs do advance. There's that week between the championship games and the Super Bowl that you can mm-hmm. interview again. But that's reserved for your second interview. You can't do right. first interviews there. So okay. the Eagles, if they want to talk to Mike Kafka, they have to they wait have to until wait. after the Super Bowl uh, unless the Chiefs lose. If the Chiefs lose, it all goes out. So yeah. there's just certain things that the Eagles, I, I feel like, uh, how they mismanaged it. <laughs> Gee, imagine that, the Eagles mismanaging the situation. <laughs> that they've mismanaged the situation. And what I keep trying to, to embed into people is this isn't new. 
And when you want to look at all the variances, there's only one consistent member, and that's Jeffrey <laughs> Lurie. Howie's mm -hmm. not going to fire himself. Right. If Jeffrey, look, I can do a terrible job at work. You guys can do a terrible job at work. You're mm -hmm. not going to walk in and say, yeah, you know what? Take my paycheck. Here you go. No, no, no. I don't feel right. like I've earned my check today. I'm going to go ahead and can myself. It's mm -hmm. up to your boss to do that. And Howie Roseman's <laughs> boss is Jeffrey Lurie, and he's let him get away with this year after year after year. I'm yeah. not mad at Howie Roseman anymore. No, I'm I'm mad at Jeffrey Lurie because we can all see certain things, <laughs> and nothing changes. Nothing. But that, that's a yeah. I digress. That, no. That's yeah. a good point because that's the thing. It's like you know, like because we're all mad at well, a lot of us. I am. I'm mad at Howie Roseman because again, you look at the track sure. record, and you know, you know, you know, 49 draft picks since 2014. Two have made the Pro Bowl. One's Miles Sanders, which okay, and, you know, this year, which is you know, Miles Sanders you know, didn't guy. play a lot this year. I mean, I know he's your guy, but you know he's not that's a Pro Bowler. Guy. You know that. You know he's not. A, you know he's not a Pro Bowler. Come on. But again, like so, you so you draft poorly. Um, your your, your free agent signings are trash. Like yeah. you're in salary cap hell. It's like wait a minute. It's like all like all of this stuff is adding up. It's like. What a, what like what is any coach supposed to do in this situation? Given a, and especially a coach that you have to you tell them, hey, you know, you need to have Coach X, Y, and Z, and then you need to do this, and he's your starting quarterback. It's just a bad situation for a lot of guys. Mm -hmm. But again, like even even all that said, you're, you're right. You we really need to be mad at the man at the top. Yeah, the man at the top really kind of controls all this stuff because Jeffrey Lurie, if he's going to again give us a report card on Doug Peterson, give us a report card on Harry Roseman because that report card's way worse. Then right. what Doug's, Doug Peterson's giving you these last five years? I'm sorry. And and here's a, here's a, a key point because I like to I, before we even jumped on, I said I want to have some logical conversation. Like I want to get mm -hmm. into some like real discussion, but that doesn't mean that we just vent and we just start using hyperbole and making stuff up. When it comes to there are things that I value and appreciate out of Howie Roseman. That's just a fact. I'm not telling you that I hate everything Howie Roseman does. Okay. So if Howie Roseman's gonna stay, like he, here's kind of a roadmap if you will. So whether Howie and Lori are having these conversations behind the scenes, you got to get John Dorsey to stay on at least through the draft process. I personally would like to see John Dorsey handle personnel decisions, the draft, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Given the cap situation they're in, there's arguably no better dude in the NFL to rectify the cap situation than Howie Roseman. He's already Agreed. done by restructuring the context of Alshon Jeffrey and, and, ja and uh, Malik Jackson. Malik Jackson. Yeah. Right, so they're going to save themselves twelve million bucks because they're going to cut them. But mm -hmm. by cutting them, they're still going to uh, save an extra twelve million bucks off the cap. Okay, kudos right. to you, Howie Roseman. They're going to they're going to have to get, like we said, they're just going to have to get a younger, uh, whether it's offensive or defensive minded, but just a younger guy to come in that doesn't want that full control, that personnel control. Um, if they can blend that guy with a strong set of coordinators on the offensive and defensive side, let John Dor Dorsey handle the, the personnel, how he handle the cap, and Lurie stay out of it and mm -hmm. just kind of let it happen. Let, we'll know a lot more about this team in 21, heading into 22, especially at the quarterback position uh, than we do now. But, I mean, that's a laundry list of things that have to go right, that, that have to go that, in the direction. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. It's like we want a lot of those things. I mean, I, I agree with you pretty much on, on, on everything you said, That we the things that we want to see out of this team. I think there's a 40% chance that you see that. Cause again, like I don't see Howie Roseman, you know, relinquishing control of the draft. Like I don't, I don't see, um, I mean, I mean, Dorsey probably hangs around in, in, in some kind of you know, capacity, which is good. Do more than hang around. Yeah. But, but I mean, you which is good, back again. Pocket, <laughs> but like, I just, I just don't trust them to, to, I don't trust them enough. I don't trust Howie and, and Jeffrey enough to, to stay out of the bushes enough 
and let you know this new because because quite frankly, you got lucky with Doug winning the Super Bowl because because given the fact given how much Howie and Doug and those and Howie and, and Jeff kind of again interfere with the really day to day stuff. I mean, like, it really sounds like like it sounds like from day one, Jer- uh, Doug Peterson was always this consolation prize to mm-hmm. to to Jeff and Howie. Like mm-hmm. I, I mean, he wasn't the number one option. And I, I mean, wanting to fire Frank Reich after one year, like I don't like it. Just seemed like, like, like Jason talked about this this constant proving of Carson Wentz. I feel like Doug had to do the same thing every damn year. And like I don't know, like that Super Bowl won him what a year and a half of goodwill with this manager. Okay, like, but, but let me ask. But let me ask you this because I don't necessarily disagree with you. I understand what you're saying from a context perspective. Was Mike Rowe the dude? What was Mike Rowe the answer? Should he have stayed on? No. 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 Okay. Did you want Press Taylor? No, <laughs> absolutely not. No. No. So, so maybe there is some validity in the background. The Lori and Roseman saying, "Hey, look, Doug, Doug, I get it, bud. You want a little mm-hmm. control. You want us to stop micromanaging you. Then yeah. stop bringing me garbage. What <laughs> is your ex- yeah, like? What is your plan to get What's this plan? right? What's Don't plan, tell right? me we're going to run it back with the same junk, with the same trash, with the same garbage. Mm-hmm. And I feel like." While I understand what you're saying, maybe he needs a little bit more control. Maybe he's earned that after winning the Super Bowl. Right. What we've seen on the field might say differently, right? So no, there's some validity to that too. But all, but again, all I'm saying is, all right, that's fair. That's fair to judge Doug Peterson under that lens. Let's ju- judge Howie Roseman under the same lens. Again, that, that I no, think that's all we're saying. Like Jason said, <laughs> I, I agree. With, like, no, but I'm done trying to predict Howie Roseman. Like, no, it, like I mean, Jeffrey Lurie. In his mind, like I, I mean, and he's a billionaire mind. Harry Roseman hasn't embarrassed him enough yet. Like, like there's that. There's always been plausible deniability with Harry Roseman, whether it's Doug Peterson, it's all. It may, may, maybe it's Joe Douglas, maybe it's Chip Kelly. I mean, like, but the evidence is there. But when the guy views you in this light, when your boss views you as as the chosen one, mm-hmm. how it's 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 going to be hard to rip that from Jeffrey Lurie's image to say mm-hmm. because well like because i just don't know how apparent like how obvious it needs to be to jeff Lurie to say you might need to dial down howie roseman's responsibilities and and that's where i think i i mean like what drafting jay jaw wasn't enough oh no oh no i forgot that was joe douglas's draft but no, no apparently like, that was jeffrey Lurie. <laughs> no, yeah, well, no, that was that was that was no, that was Jeff. Yeah, that was Jeff. Right. Apparently, yeah. Jeffrey Lurie was pressing hard for Ortega Whiteside, which, again, we get well, into no, this but... mold of, bro, like, you're the owner. What are you doing? Back out. <laughs> yeah. If I got to blame anybody, I'm blaming you because if you're not making the draft, like, if you're not pressing for Ortega Whiteside, then you're giving the keys to Howie Roseman and say, hey, yeah, go ahead. I don't care if they want Justin Jefferson. Go with Rager, for example, but and I'm not I, out on Rager yet either. But. You know, you know, no, but I guess what 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 that kind of emphasizes is Jeffrey Lurie can't do this with another GM. Like 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 it, it's bit like like he can't say to like a well-respected GM, "Hey, draft I don't know Sean Bradley." Like oh, I, he or, can. no, he can. <laughs> yeah, but, but John think, Dorsey or, or somebody. Okay. Yeah. No. Go back. Guy, go back you, in your you office, need, big fella. Yeah, yeah. No, you need a guy with some cachet. To say, Jeff, I know you like this toy, and I know you want some say, but no, like, like, like you have this a guy who's willing to bid on on your request. Well, let's play devil's advocate then, because it's a good point you bring up. Why is John Dorsey there, and why was John Dorsey there before you know for months before anybody knew it? Knew, right? I don't know. So is is that 
Jeffrey Lurie looking at himself in the mirror. And, and again, yeah, we're no, all, like, every, everything is, we're hypothesizing, right? We have yeah. no idea. We're all just reaching for theories right now. But what if, again, just a big what if, what if Jeffrey Lurie is bringing in John Dorsey under the covers, doesn't want anyone to know, hey, John, come in, tell us what you think. Take a look at what's around. Give me your feedback. And if the, if the result of that is how he stays and Doug leaves, maybe John, a guy with some cachet and a guy with some credibility, is sitting there saying, and, you know, how he's doing some, how he's doing the right things. And like, gotta really, got to make a no change one, and, in the coaching position. Yeah. And for someone who doesn't have like, like, like anything like invested in, in he's got no stake one. in it. He's yeah. got no horse in the race. I'm just going to tell you what I think. Maybe, not saying this, but maybe the review on Howie Roseman is a little more favorable than what you and I can see from the outside looking in. I will tell you that whether, again, whether we like Howie Roseman's personnel decisions or not, he's well-respected around the league. Mm -hmm. He has brought in some key personnel. Again, John Dorsey said, no, I'll go run behind the scenes with you guys. And they got yeah. Barry and a guy, Andy Weidel, and they have guys. I mean, they have, I mean, Stoutman, who we may lose, we may not, we don't know, but he's been able to keep guys in the organization that otherwise we'd say, what are they doing here? So he's doing some things right, right? The league respects him. And, that, and I'm, not, I'm talking about players outside of, uh, you know, a Malcolm might be in the locker room, <laughs> right? A handful, I was going to yeah. say a handful that might be in the locker room or previously right. in the locker room. Right. Um, but agents respect him. Other GMs respect him. They will pick up the phone. They will talk to Howie Roseman. I'm not telling you that matters on game day, but behind the scenes, the things that don't matter to you and I, that matter to, to NFL personnel and GMs and, you know, the, the white collar guys in the NFL, uh, that matters. No, I, I think the 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 moral of this uh, um, sequence is you got to mitigate Howie. Like, I, yes. I, I mean, like, no, like he's like a he's like a three and D guy. No, 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 because that would mean I got you have one. You have something other than salary. No, he's three no, and D. He is three and D. <laughs> but I'm not looking for him to be a scorer off the pick and roll. Yeah. No, like, no, what no, you but you're out of position. <laughs> Andre Iguodala. But, Know what yeah. your role is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we want our GMs to be Kevin Durant, but sometimes you know they're Robert Covington, and that's okay. You know, that's mm -hmm. okay if you have other guys to fill in those roles. We like, still you know. haven't even thought about like these 18 coaches that they've hired. Because like it's just for me personally, I can't get like overly excited about any of these guys knowing what this coach, probably a first-time head coach, has to deal with to like get his operate like no it, and like someone said it's like you're a first time head coach and you have two tasks two unenviable tasks trying to kind of like i don't know navigate the waters of a first time head coach with a gm that you know has a has a lot of clout and then two you got to fix this 100 million dollar quarterback i i mean like that is that's a hard ask it's a transition have, period yeah you have an aging, aging roster i mean it's yeah, there's a yeah. lot i mean there's a lot to it you're, you're looking like for the Brett Brown of the, the Eagles. Somebody yeah, that can come no. in, cut his teeth. We've got to revamp this roster. It's going to be a tough year next year, theoretically, right? Mm -hmm. No, no, but no, I need... no, 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 theoretically. Re, 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 you like, know what? And this is, well, this is why I say theoretically, because yes, I thought, I personally think it's going to be a tough year. But have we not seen weirder things? Football, yeah. you can turn like that. I don't necessarily mm -hmm. think they, they will or can, but let's just say, because we're hypothesizing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> The line stays healthy next year. You get you hit on a couple quality draft picks. Maybe you do bring in Joe Brady as a head coach. 
Maybe they do draft Jamar Chase at sixth overall. Maybe he and Jamar, or I'm sorry, Brady's kind of swan song, what his, what his element is. He's an innovative offensive thinker. He promotes the symmetry between the quarterback and the wide receiver position. So maybe he can get Carson corrected with another outside weapon. Maybe Jalen Rager takes a step. This offense just looks a little bit different thanks to a, a healthy offensive line. Okay, I'm not that scared of the NFC East. I don't mm-hmm. think anybody else in the NFC East is going to be taking leaps and bounds next year. They'll be right. better. Yes, leaps and bounds, probably not. So I, I, I wouldn't think it's completely out of the realm to think that next year isn't necessarily going to be a 4-12 and 12 or I guess 4-13 uh, season mm-hmm. if they go 17 games, right? So, 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 your, so your emphasis on the new coach is offensive mind. No, it, not necessarily. Uh, I still am a believer in uh, it's an offensive league now, um, but I'm still a believer in, in the importance of defense when it comes to the postseason. I'll always be old school, play defense, mm-hmm. run the football. I'll, I mean, I and I get it. The game is changing, but I'll, I'll always lean back on that. Uh, I mean, look at Lamar Jackson and, and the right. Bills this weekend. He's talking about I've never played in the snow. So, look, when it gets to the postseason, you're talking December football, January football, February football. You better be able – well, maybe not February. It's usually indoors. But to get to that indoor site, you better be able to play defense. So, mm-hmm. who that may be, I don't know. I just want to win games. <laughs> I don't care how you do it. I don't care who your coach is. I just want to win football games. So, so the guys that are kind of rumored to be interested and are have interviewed so far, the Todd Bowles, Robert Salais, Arthur Smith – any, any of those guys stand out to you? Is there one guy you, who you would pick out of those guys that you would pick to, to be the coach next year? Um, I, for, I don't know why. I, I said Brady three times. This is not my third time saying it. I don't know why I'm intrigued by him. Mm-hmm. He's 31. That's awfully young. Super young. Uh, yeah. Awfully young. I mean, the guy's got nine. He's nine years younger than me. Come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so ten, it's hard for me to for me. Think, right? Well, I sit here and I think – like what the hell was I doing at 31? There's no exactly. way I could be coaching a football team at 31. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm a little hesitant, but I but I do like the way he's regarded around the league. Um, I do personally have a soft spot for the innovative offensive minds. Um, I just like watching the McVeighs, the Shanahan's. I like watching mm-hmm. their offenses, and I often think if we could get something like that in here, okay, I, that'd be exciting to see. Um I mean, Arthur Smith is a name that, that's being bantied about. I don't really know how I feel about him. Slay, obviously, is a defensive, energetic. Uh, seems like he'd be a motivator. Right. I'll, I'll tell you the name that I, I think we're all conveniently overlooking, not all, just in this conversation. Mm-hmm. That's like the layup, absolute layup, is Deuce Daly. Mm-hmm. It's an absolute layup. I mean, if we look back at, Deuce, at uh, when they hired Doug Peterson, that was the layup. And we were sitting right. there saying, wait, what? Come why? Really? Another disciple? Another mm-hmm. descendant from the Andy Reid tree? Like <laughs> Deuce Staley? No, but that's what Deuce Staley. He checks the boxes. Assistant head coach now, right? Mm-hmm. We've we've never seen him coordinate an offense. We've right. often criticized him and his running back rotation. <laughs> but isn't that why Jeffrey Lurie and his presser went out of his way to say, I'm not, I'm not gonna focus on whether he's calling offensive plays or defensive plays. I want a leader of men. I want somebody who who can handle that locker room. So isn't that now alleviating the issue when we rewind the tape, when we see who they hire and we Mm -hmm. go back to his presser and we listen to it again and we say, wait a minute, he prides himself in the minority hire. He came Mm -hmm. out right and and he said that he's proud of that. Yeah. Um, He's always been pro uh, on that, on that side. Um, 
He doesn't care about play calling. He doesn't care about offensive or defensive minded. He just wants a leader. Everybody respects Daly in that locker yep. room and across the league. It's almost like he's gift wrapping. He came out and said, Deuce mm-hmm. Staley will be considered for the head coaching vacancy. I listened to that interview and I just said, this dude wants Deuce Staley. That mm-hmm. that was that was my initial reaction to the presser. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if they stay in house and give this dude probably a, a much overdue opportunity. Yeah. No, I I mean like I've I've gone back and forth because people can point to the offense and and just the ineffectiveness. They need to fix this leaky locker room because like because no like I, like it seems like the last couple of years this locker room was not unified and. And you know who can unify that that locker room full of guys that that are here and will mo- more, most likely be here next season? Do Staley. Like, I, I, I mean, you need – like, I, I mean, and I think that's what's not really being talked about about Doug Peterson is – I'm not going to say he lost the locker room, but there were just too many instances of dudes not – like, but this is you doubling down on a Super Bowl roster. It's not – it's not – hungry it's not as hungry as 2017 so maybe you bring in a guy like deuce staley that knows these dudes that can push the right buttons i mean you could do a hell of a lot worse i i mean absolutely but i mean like do you just want to like just start off fresh because again like it's just a lot no no, but you can't start off fresh right because this is the same the same meat like (laughs) like like you can't like these are the same guys that are going to be here next season so like maybe you just bring in a, a different voice to these because but is I, it a different like, voice because let's not forget the the whole reason they won the super bowl in 2017 that what we attributed to was that team chemistry that team locker room yeah. let's yep. go get some hagen right right it was all yeah. about what doug brought the unification that they had as a team and one of the biggest leaders at the time of that team was Alshon Jeffrey, who we mm-hmm. who we do all readily admit, whether it's true or not, I don't know, but we all kind of publicly point the finger at Alshon saying he was the leak. He was the guy yapping. He was one of the biggest proponents and advocates for the Eagles in that locker room, and he was all about the business and didn't care about all the theatrics uh, mm-hmm. during the Super Bowl run. So Deuce is, right, wrong, or indifferent, associated with that verse. Right. They all still respect him, but everybody respects the – not everybody, but most people expect the assistant – head coaches or the uh, coordinators or whatever, when you become the head coach and all eyes are on you, a lot of people's opinions start to change when they don't get what they want or you started giving a message that isn't um, inclusive to them or doesn't necessarily represent them or benefit them from a position group. Because he's not just talking with his running backs. Now he's going to be in a room with defensive, not in a room, but now he's going to be speaking to defensive linemen and linebackers and defense backs and wide receivers and quarterbacks and linemen. He's speaking for everybody now. Mm-hmm. So I think that that depending on what that message is, like all leaders, that can wear thin. Yeah. Now, Roy, who do you want, or uh, or like what, or what do like? Because really, we don't we know jack about any of these guys, but like, correct. Just from knowing what you like, I don't know, like, what type of style do you want? No, I, I think you know, and Jason mentioned it with Robert Saleh, that got the young, fiery guy who can come in, defensive guy to kind of motivate motivate this team, a different voice. I think that that will be the guy out of the guys I've heard, the guys on the list. That I've heard so far. I, he's probably my guy. I think, but Jason makes a good point. I think Jeffrey Lurie did kind of lay the groundwork so that if they kind of strike out on some of these dudes, that the bring in Deuce Daly. I think that's. I think that's what a lot of that Ooh, stuff that's was. That's good. No, a no, couple of days ago, it's like it's like it's like we want these other guys, but just in case 
hey, you know, we've always loved Deuce. You know, we've kept them on for, you know, through multiple, multiple coaches. So I think, I think Soleil is my guy, but I think, well, I think they kind of put it out there. It's like, just in case we don't get these dudes, then, then Deuce. You know what scares me, Roy? You know what scares me, honestly? Like, news broke today that mm-hmm. uh, Jags and Urban Meyer are finalizing a deal, right? Or not that earlier this week, we'll say. <laughs> Um, so (laughs) news breaks, uh, earlier this week that the urban Meyer and the Jags are finalizing the deal because the Jags targeted their guy. He interviewed, it went well. And they said, okay, Mm -hmm. you're not getting out of the building. I can appreciate that. So when we look at some of these head coaching options, whether it be, let's just start, for example, Eric, the enemy, and because he was the the hot and sexy name all season, but then the report comes out, especially uh, with the Texans that say, well, he didn't interview too well. And it sounds like maybe there's been a couple instances where maybe the enemy didn't interview well for the position. You got a guy like Soleil. And Soleil mm-hmm. goes out and he has not one but two interviews with the Jets. And then he flies right. down to Florida and have an interview with the Eagles. Now he's headed to Detroit to have a meeting with the Lions. Okay, right. so they let that guy. Now, Arthur Arthur Smith, he's had not one, but he's had two interviews with the Jets. And Arthur, like, all these dudes are having these interviews. Mm-hmm. I What happened to he's in the building? We love what he's going to say. Leave. This yeah, is our guy. Leave. If he keeps going to all these interviews and keeps having second to third, then he ain't the guy. That that's the part that scares me. Maybe there's something to be said that maybe Soleil is saying, "No, I want to know all my options. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. care if you're the Jets or the Eagles or the Lions. I want to I want to hear what everyone has to say." But that rarely happens when a, when a coach when a coaching candidate meets with an organization and they're both saying the same message and they're both ready to get down to business they rarely let them leave the room a lot of these candidates are leaving the room and that concerns me does it concern you because maybe uh, i don't want to i don't want to rip these guys but maybe maybe this this you know cycles coaching you know options or whatever and all maybe, that yeah maybe they're not as sexy as the guys we've seen in past years maybe that's it you know maybe no, they're not, maybe not as sexy no, on the surface you mean that once yeah, they yeah, get into yeah. the position they'll kind yeah. of flower blossom right. oh, that, i mean that's right. completely fair yeah absolutely yeah you know what i think we're all making the case for i think back in our minds we kind of know who, who the coach might be like because if if, if none of these guys are going to blow the eagles away like with this roster that like I don't know frankly can't really be fixed for a for a couple of years why just why not just bring in the dude that you know like instead of is that fair to him though yeah oh no no because there's that other flip side where is this situation right for Deuce a first time black head coach to succeed like right I I just don't want this to be like Vance Joseph or you like like where like a, the stench of this team, which Correct. really has nothing to do with him, that Correct. where he's like, oh, Deuce Staley, he went three and thirteen with the Eagles. He's never no, no, I, and I don't because make that. no mistake about it. If it, if they do go as we're all sitting here prior to the 21, 2021 season ever kicking off, and we're saying yeah, most likely it's not going to be a great season. Right. So if Deuce Staley's the head coach, is that not going to be reflective on Deuce as a head coach when that's completely unfair? Yeah, if no, I'm Deuce, I'm looking at the saying. Yeah, I don't know about this. Yeah. But but if you're oh. Deuce, though, I mean, this is probably your best chance at a, at a job this cycle. Um, so probably. do you just take the job and then again, kind of hope hope things kind of you know, you know, hope springs eternal, hope things kind of turn around because again, if you, I mean, no, you're Deuce, you've been waiting, you've been waiting for a while. But does Deuce want it? Does Deuce want it? Because Deuce has had if those opportunities were there, and I think we'd have to think to a man, we'd mm-hmm. have to think somebody out there was saying, hey, Deuce, come in for an interview. 
whether he rejected it or we just didn't we didn't hear about it or whatever. I mean, obviously they promoted him to assistant head coach for a reason to keep mm -hmm. him happy. But if he really wanted to be a head coach, he probably would have taken those other interviews and gotten a legit look at possibly becoming a head coach outside of Philadelphia. Right. So if I'm Deuce, the first question I'm asking is, do I really want to be a head coach? And if I really want to be a head coach, something I haven't had up to this up to this date, maybe really didn't want, is this the opportunity for me to do my best work as a head coach? Mm -hmm. Probably mm -hmm. not. Right. I, like I like I can't I can't disagree. You know whether whether it's Deuce or whoever though. Like this dude, this is an old team in salary cap hell. It's got probably going to have a lot of roster turnover. Um, but they also have the number six pick in the draft. And before we finish this Ooh. conversation. We do need to ask you, Mr. Ashworth. Yeah. With that pick, where do you go? Where do you go with that pick? Because again, there's a whole lot of Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase and you know, maybe Micah Parsons, Patrick Sertain, whatever have you. Where do you where do you go with that number six pick? Um, well, it's not gonna be Micah Parsons. I like Micah Parsons, and I think Micah Parsons is going to be a good linebacker. I really mm -hmm. do. And that's not my Penn State bias. I think Micah Parsons, I followed that kid. Uh, since he was in high school, he was a local yeah, kid. He's a player, yeah, yeah, right. He, he's, a player. he's a player. I don't think with the way that the Eagles undervalue the linebacker position that they then all of a sudden flip and just pick a kid sixth overall, right? Um, and while there are good linebackers in the NFL, difference making linebackers in the NFL, a lot of the top linebackers, and I say a lot, aren't necessarily top five, top 10 picks. They're mm -hmm. just they're just not. You don't need to invest that capital. That said. Right. I think for the Eagles, the smartest thing they need to do is, is just sit tight, sit tight, see how the board falls. There's a, so much smoke going on right now. So like one side of it is you're sitting at six. That's why it was so, this is why it was so important to lose to the Redskins. I was in favor of that. Uh, you're sitting <laughs> at six and you have so many needs. Okay. Rather than just picking nine by winning against the Redskins, now you're picking six. If you want to trade back to nine and recoup a second day pick or whatever that is, Cool, because we all know we have. I would be actually be okay with that, depending mm -hmm. on how the board shakes out. Mm -hmm. uh, but just look at what what's happening with the Dolphins right now, leaking that message about Tua, and maybe they're not that not that happy. Okay, so are they drafting a quarterback then right. at three? Are they just trying to increase the value to force Atlanta to trade up to get ahead of them? So we're I'm sitting at six, and I'm saying, who's the best player that falls to me? Realistically, mm -hmm. who's the best? Would I love for Sewell to fall? Of course I would. And if Sewell was there and I had my my drillers, I would go with an offensive lineman, sure. Mm -hmm. But if it ain't if it ain't Sewell, it's Jamar Chase all day. Don't I, I couldn't run fast enough. I love <laughs> what's happening with Devontae Smith because really twofold. A, it only takes one team to jump and say, right. that's the guy I want, because right. historically we haven't seen a player like this. We haven't seen a player do and, and be rewarded with the accolades at the position that Devontae Smith has. So I don't know. Do the Dolphins want to go get to a weapon? We're sitting here penciling Jamar Chase, and they say it's Devontae Smith. Please, please, mm -hmm. because that just means, okay, Jamar Chase falls in my lap. Right. But worst-case scenario, one of them's going to be there. Mm -hmm. And if I'm trying to rebuild my offense, if I'm trying to rehab my quarterback, I'm getting them offensive weapons. I just am. That line, I don't think is as bad as many people think it is. And if there's not going to be an offensive lineman that yeah. is that that I can justify that sixth pick with, then I'm just taking best player available. And that's going to be one of the wide receivers. 
Yeah, let's not overthink this. Again, like I know we all or a lot of us have issues with Howie Roseman, but again, at six, I'm pretty confident that he's going to be okay. Like I'm pretty it's confident. It's harder that, to <laughs> screw up top ten picks than there are any other. And, bite and, your and tongue, think, sir. You bite uh, <laughs> your tongue right now. <laughs> no, no, because I think that's why. I, I mean, I, everyone that was really pro not tanking, but not trying to win as many games is the science is there where it's easier. Like the the, the success rate on top six picks are very are much better than top 16, 17, where the Eagles have been historically picking for years. And like mm-hmm. the last time they had a high pick, they drafted Lane. So let's pray to God that cool. like this pick is Lane-esque. And that's the scary part. And it's, it's why I always follow BPA. If you know that you have a lot of holes and you want to trade back, that's fine. But that's where I do start to get – I would be okay with that. Because mm-hmm. I understand why they're doing it, but they have such a sketchy track record of drafting those guys outside of the right. top 10 when you get into that 12, that 14, yeah. that 20, 20 some range. Right. If you want to trade back, cool, I get it. But you don't trade back, in my opinion. You don't trade back when you're sitting in a, in a premium slot and you've got premium mm-hmm. players available that also match up with your team. With your needs. Exactly. I don't want to draft based on need, but if a premium position is available and it happens to match up with my knee, then it's a no brainer. Right. So that, that's where I get, um, that that's where I would stand, see how the board falls out. But then Mm -hmm. man, one of those two, I'm telling you, there hasn't been two receivers taken in the top five since 2003. That's Charles Rogers and Andre Johnson with the Eagles lock. It'll happen again. But if not, (laughs) history tells us that, um, I did love Charles Rogers though. I did love Charles Rogers. Oh, Charles Rogers was a, was a beast. Was a beast. <laughs> right? We all did. But he's one of those He's one of those top wide receivers. The top yeah. 10 wide receivers aren't always a slam dunk either. There's plenty of misses. True. But but uh, I don't think either of these guys are, are, are your prototypical wide receivers. Not by numbers, not by build, not by projections. No, no. You, you talked about offensive weapons. We have five minutes left. There was an offensive weapon that was traded from one team to another in the NBA this week. James Harden is now a member of the New Jersey Nets. He is part of their new big Brooklyn three. Nets. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, New Jersey Nets. How old am I? Jesus. <laughs> oh, no, I think you were just I think you were just thinking about those throwbacks from last week. I was. Those, 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 those ugly tie-dye throwbacks. The Jonathan <laughs> Petrovich era throwbacks. That court's beautiful. The throwbacks are not quite there yet on. Correct. Um, the Sixers were kind of in the mix reportedly for James Harden. They did not want to give up the farm, the farm being Ben Simmons. Matisse Thibel, uh, Tyrese Maxey, and a plethora of first-round picks to the Nets. Mr. Ashworth, let me ask you, would you have made that deal for James Harden? No, I would not. Um, This is one of those instances, and this is sketchy too. I don't know if it's that Daryl Morey held back or if, in fact, the Rockets brass kind of blocked him. Right. But this is one we don't know that, right? And different reports are going to tell you different things. But at the end of the day, this is what I like to think. This told me more about Morey, and I grew more of an appreciation for Morey in the move he didn't make versus the move he did make. I like James Harden, and I think James Harden is, you know, individually a great player. Mm-hmm. They have spent a ton of money, a ton of resources and assets to try to build around James Harden over the years. I mean, the guy, he's got a, a bad season, a bad start to a season. He quits on his team. He comes in overweight. He's a lazy, he's lackluster offensively start. And then he winds his way out of town. For this team and what we're trying to do in Philadelphia, that's not the guy that I – that that I want to add. I get okay. the net's fine, fair enough. Now you have two problems on your hands. Good luck with that. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. 
but I'm not giving away future first rounders and pick swaps and players for a guy that's already disgruntled. So and has is a massive there, a, ma- a massive salary behind him. So is there a guy, you know, wink wink Bradley Beal yeah, out there out who, who you who you who you would have made a similar deal for? Uh, yeah, Bradley Beal, that's a different type of player because okay, yeah. he is now again to our previous conversation. He is an elite player and he fits a need and he doesn't have the baggage. Okay, I'm I'm good with that. Harden would have fit a need. Anybody who looks at James Harden, James Harden right now and can't see, you, know, you let yourself go, dude. Like you, you let yourself go. That is a problem. I get it. He can still score. I understand, but that's like a that's a mental thing. That's an emotional right. reaction. Something right. that something inside of him has let go, and I it's it's hard for me to commit to to a player like that. So, but you are willing to trade Ben Simmons because there are people here that are still waiting and waiting. Um, <laughs> Long am I willing? Yeah, no, it because it, I've always been of the stance. Yeah, I, I no, I'm not trading Ben Simmons. I've always had that standpoint uh, or, or come from that position because I wanted to see what another coach could do with it, right? And I and That's I truly believe somewhere, somehow, somebody's going to pull something out of this kid that we haven't seen yet. And we're not seeing it yet. We're not seeing anything. Great, he's taking two threes. Fantastic. He's a fifty percent three point shooter this year. Isn't that great? Mm-hmm. Um, I had I'm seeing so many of the tendencies. It's still early, but I'm still seeing that reluctancy to shoot the ball, which is concerning. He makes up for it on the defensive end. He's an elite defender. We all know how important defense is in the postseason in the NBA. Yes. So I do appreciate and I love that. Um, but the clock is ticking. It is. That's just the truth of it. This isn't an open-ended stay where you don't have to you don't have to grow and evolve as a player. He does. He's still young, mm-hmm. but he's got to start showing signs for me to just blindly back him the way I have for years. Yeah. 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 No, you said the clock is ticking on Ben. The clock's ticking on us as well. We have to get out of here. But before we do, Jason, as always, we like to give our guests a chance to kind of shout themselves out. So please let everybody know how they can kind of follow you on Twitter and check out what you're what you're up to. Oh, not that anyone wants to follow me on on Twitter. I feel like I've lost more followers over the last couple of months. But it's actually at all Ashworth. If you want, if you want somebody that's not going to be shy about his opinion, and it's it's ninety nine percent sports. So at all Ashworth is uh, is my handle on Twitter. I know I engage with you both. I appreciate you both uh, not only for that, but having me on the show, and uh, hopefully get a chance to do it soon. Absolutely. Yeah, no, Absolutely. right? No, because we like because me and Roy just say the same stuff every week about Ben Simmons about the Eagles and it's like it's good to get like a another, small person on here yeah, yeah a, another set of ears and eyes on on Philly sports because like like you said like I'm not like I don't like echo chambers for anything mm-hmm. but in particular sports because I mm-hmm. like like I took this and it's like oh damn I never really thought of it in that in in, in the way that you mentioned a couple of things so when I'm watching the Sixers tonight I'm I'm gonna be like oh okay like, like people all because, because I think, and, and people and your sports opinions evolve. And I think that's why seeing a, a guy like Simmons, because I know Pete, like that, like you're not the only one, Jason, that said it's, it's going to happen. It, 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 but I like, is it just this, the first, like, what was it in particular about this set of games that troubled you about Simmons? What? reluctancy to shoot still okay i mean the one that really stands out is when he he, he drew we've all seen it on social media he, drew, he tries to the foul line the defender sags off him a solid five feet and he automatically the minute he gets to the turns his back and looks at the dish 
that's the stuff that's just not going to fly. I need elbow jumpers. If he doesn't want to shoot it, stay aggressive to the bucket. Ultimately, just win basketball games. I don't care how you do it. Um, and obviously, we're coming off a poor performance where, I mean, what do you have, six points? Is that what it was, five, six points? Yeah, five, five, um, so you can you can nullify that when Embiid goes off for 40-plus and is having the MVP caliber season. But don't you dare waste an MVP caliber season from, from Joel Embiid because you don't want to shoot the basketball. So I'm just looking for him to evolve. A lot of good things that I see. There's space in the floor. We got good shooters outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I like what Doc is doing so far, but my eyes are on Ben. So for more basketball talk and Eagles talking, whatever he's in the mood to talk about, again, Jason Ashworth, follow him, all Ashworth, on Twitter. Thank Jason, thanks again, man. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Jason. Mr. Domingo, it's time for us to sign off. We'll be out off until next Saturday, same bad time, same bad channel. Until then, we are out of here. Take us out, please. Have a great weekend, everyone. See you guys. flexibility can go a long way. By refinancing your newer used auto loan with PenFed, you can lower your monthly payments for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. Calculate how much you could save at PenFed.org slash auto refi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's a great time to get a great deal on a new car when you get approved for an auto loan from PenFed. Our powered by True Car rates are as low as 1.39% APR on new vehicles. Finance for a longer term to lower your monthly bill. Plus, take up to 60 days to schedule your first payment. Join PenFed and together we'll keep you moving forward. Anyone can apply. Visit penfed.org/auto or call 1-800-247-5626. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.